Well, my brothers and sisters, let's get to the word. You've already heard the scripture, but we're going to unpack it a little bit more. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 4 on this morning. I also want to praise the Lord for our online family and thank all of us. All of you are for logging on today, and even though you are not here in the house of the Lord with us physically, the Spirit of the Lord can reach you wherever you are. The entire world is the Spirit's playground, so wherever you are, we feel your love, we feel your prayers, and we want you to know that the Spirit can reach you even where you are today. Let's read Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They still didn't have it completely right. But Lord, at this time will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Our title today for this time, beloved, is, But You Shall Receive Power. Say it with me, but you shall receive power. Let's give the Lord praise on this morning. Now being that today is Pentecost Sunday and we are a Pentecostal church, I think it is of critical importance that we really know what that means. We can't assume that everyone who knows who we are knows what that means. Now to be Pentecostal is to be tied to the event that took place on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit fell on those believers that followed Jesus' instructions to go to Jerusalem and wait for power on high. In our scripture earlier, we read it, and suddenly there was the sound in the upper room as of a mighty rushing wind, and there appeared cloven tongues of fire above each of their heads, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. To be Pentecostal means that like those in the upper room that day, you seek to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit, also known in some circles as the Holy Ghost. But what does it mean to be filled, filled with the Holy Spirit? 
Now, the Holy Spirit has been active throughout the entire Bible. In Genesis, in the beginning, it was the Spirit of the Lord that moved on the face of the deep. He was there. In Exodus 31, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. In Judges 15 and 14, it says of Samson, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. In 1 Samuel 16 and 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Throughout the Old Testament, there are many other instances when the Spirit of the Lord fell on or filled his people. For the sake of time, we won't be able to go into all of them, but since we're all supposed to be reading our Bibles throughout the week, amen, I'm pretty sure that there'll be something that you can get into, amen. It was the Spirit of the Lord that descended upon Jesus like a dove when he was baptized and then led him into the wilderness to be tempted. So we see here that even before the day of Pentecost, even as far back as the beginning, the Holy Spirit was moving and coming upon his children. The Holy Spirit was active on earth. Now the world and its desire to define and categorize everything that it does not understand tries to reduce Pentecost and the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and Pentecostalism to being filled I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit to passionately rolling around on the floor and speaking incoherently in a language that not even the person speaking in tongues can understand. Even some of us who are believers have limited being filled with the Spirit strictly to the sign and evidence of speaking in tongues. Some will say, well, I spoke in tongues, so that means I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But my brothers and sisters, there is much, much, much more to it than just that. Now, that's not to pull anything from our expressions in worship. When we get in the Spirit and we're celebrating His goodness, sometimes you'll see somebody run around the church. You may see somebody dancing in the spirit. You'll see somebody speaking in tongues. You may even see somebody pass out. We used to call that slain in the spirit. Have to lay down for a while. The mothers would get the, the fans and just, they say, hey, all right, just, they famine. That's deliverance right there. 
But that's when we are worshiping and communing with God Almighty, who is awesome in his greatness. You see, we're called to give the Lord praise with the clapping of our hands and the, the fruit of our lips and with the dance. But it is in those times when we are in the Spirit. But today, we're going to talk about when the Spirit is in us. Are you still with me? All right. Let's go deeper. Now, what does it mean to be truly filled with the Spirit? We've heard it many times. I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost with a mighty burning fire. And in some cases, and I know it doesn't apply to anyone here today, but in some cases it's been confusing because the person saying that I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost would not always be acting in much of a Christ-like manner. <laughs> Sometimes some of us will speak in tongues in church and curse you out in English in the parking lot. Let me tell you something. If you are using your relationship with God or belief, your belief in God as an excuse to judge people and beat people down, then you're not operating in love or in the spirit of our Heavenly Father. Stop using the Lord as an excuse to be mean as a snake. Just stop it. Let's put it this way. Some people bring joy when they walk in the room. And some people bring joy because they leave the room. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Some people bring joy when they come into the room. And some people bring joy when they leave the room. I'm going to let y'all work that out during traffic on the day. You'll figure it out but I'll make it easy for you. Have you ever noticed how there are some people that can walk in a room and the whole atmosphere of the room changes? I mean, you feel better just because this person showed up. You feel like everything is going to be all right just because this particular person walked in the room. When they walk in a room, it's almost like peace walked in the room with them. Some of you all know that no matter what is going on around here, when Bishop walks in the room, you just start to feel a little bit better. He might not even have to say anything. But there are some people that when they walk in the room, all of a sudden it gets tight, tight. <laughs> I mean, you can cut the tension with a knife. All smiles disappear, and it seems like somebody just spread eggshells all over the floor and dared somebody to break one. It's almost as if tension, stress, and drama, and mess followed this person into the room. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you, is he? See, somebody in here didn't even want to look at who they were sitting next to because of the, the tightness up in here. Just, if that's you, just raise your eyebrow and, you know, that'll be the signal. And 
I'll see the signal. We'll lift you up in prayer. Eyebrows are going up all over the room. Amen. I see you. We're going to be praying for y'all. But. but if you're full of the spirit of the Lord, the room will seem a little bit brighter when you walk into it. Now, being filled with the spirit should be at the top of our priorities in our lives and our relationship with God. But again, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, one of my favorite explanations comes from a theologian that said, to be filled by and walk in the Spirit is to fulfill your ultimate potential of your life on earth as one of God's children and creations. He said, you are controlled by Christ because the word filling means to be controlled. And if you are controlled, not like a robot or as, but as one who is led and empowered by the spirit, then the Lord Jesus will walk around in your body and live his resurrection life in and through you. You see, that's exactly what I want. That is my prayer. For the Lord Jesus to walk around in my body and live his resurrection power and life in and through me. You see, I want to reach the ultimate potential of my life on earth as one of God's creations and children. Oh, I know I'm not the only one here that God has put greatness inside of. He has put greatness and purpose inside of each and everyone here under the sound of my voice, and we need to get it out. We need to push it out there. The world is hurting and waiting for us to do something. I don't want to take any of that purpose or greatness with me into eternity. We've got to get it out. Oh, give the Lord praise if you want to realize your ultimate potential. He has put it inside of all of you, that, that dream, that bright idea that you have, that, that vision for your life, oh, that thing that you would always love to do, that's greatness. Don't be afraid to walk in the greatness and the purpose that God has put you in. Now, this is important because we should all be pursuing meaning, purpose, and relevance in our lives. And the only way that we'll truly find these things is through our filling, being filled with the Spirit of the Lord. The only way that we'll ever find meaning and purpose is through real relationship with our Creator. You see, being filled with the Spirit lays the foundation for the extraordinary to happen in your life. I said being filled with the Spirit lays the foundation for the extraordinary to happen in your life. You tired of the in and out, the same thing every day here and there? Get filled with the Spirit. He will get you prepared for the extraordinary to happen in your life. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. You see, it is in these times that we are guided and directed by the Holy Spirit that we can hear God's voice and commune with him. 
When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit then goes to work making everything that God says about us in his word come to pass in our lives. When the word says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that happens through the Spirit, through the presence of the Lord. When the word says, he is my fortress and my shield, that's the Spirit of the Lord working on your behalf. God says that I know the thoughts towards you that I have, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, that you would have a future and a hope. You see, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit goes to work in your life to make sure you have peace, to make sure that you would have a future and a hope even in the midst of your storm. Because as we know, storms are a part of life. And you're either going into a storm or you're in the middle of a storm or you're just coming out of a storm. But he came that you would have peace and a future and a hope in the midst of that storm. It is only being through filled with the Spirit that we are able to achieve the fullest potential in our life and realize our highest purpose. That is the key point right there. You really will look a whole lot better in the future than you look right now when you get filled with the Spirit. Now, the word is clear on the matter of being filled with the Spirit of the Lord, with the sign of speaking in tongues. Please don't think that I'm trying to downplay the evidence and the importance of speaking in tongues. You see, when you pray in tongues, you remove all of the barriers in your mind and thoughts that are getting in the way of your prayer and your praise to Almighty God. Praying in tongues is your, your main line. It is your red phone to heaven, so to speak. But there are other indicators that sometimes make it bias. There are some other indications that one is or isn't filled with the Holy Spirit. There are some fruits that grow out of a spirit-filled life. You all still there? Galatians 5 Verses 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I said all of those pretty slow because I need for them to hang there because all of them seem to be in short supply nowadays. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. We could preach a sermon series on each one. Hmm. Might have to circle back around to that later. Amen. But there it is right there. If the fruit of the Spirit, if the Spirit of the Lord is in you, 
then the fruits of the Spirit will begin to come out of you as well. I said, if the Spirit of the Lord is in you, then the fruits of the Spirit will come out of your life, come out of your words, come out of your actions, come out of your personality, come out in your bedroom, come out in the, in the boardroom, come out in traffic, come out on the job, come out in your relationship. If the Spirit of the Lord is in you, then the fruit of the Spirit will come out as well. Now, the Word speaks very clearly about trees that should produce fruit, but don't. In Matthew 21, verse 18, it says, Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. Also in Luke 13, verse 6, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I have been coming seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Why is it still breathing oxygen? Why is it stealing light from other trees? Why is it using up ground? Why is it even taking up space? Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Praise the Lord for a second chance, amen. And a third chance. And a fourth chance. And a fifth chance. How many of y'all are working on your 10th chance up in here? Amen, praise the Lord. But this lets us know that the Lord expects to see some fruit grow off of his trees. It is the Holy Spirit that brings these attributes out of us, these, these fruits. The Holy Spirit is the keeper of the vineyard. We are the trees. And these fruits of the Spirit don't grow overnight. They have to be cultivated. They have to be worked on. You're not going to all of a sudden be filled with the fruits of the Spirit when you are first baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, being the keeper, is going to have to bring these fruits out of our lives through process because they don't just happen. Don't be upset if you're not immediately full of love and patience or joy when you first get filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Patience and long-suffering have to be brought out of us through process. Love has to be brought out of us through 
process. Let me tell you that self-control doesn't just happen. <laughs> it is cultivated in us by through life. It is cultivated in us through our experiences and our relationship first with God, which is an easier part, and it is cultivated through our experiences and relationships with each other, which isn't so easy because you know how we can be sometimes, amen. <laughs> but you're thinking you're going through that tough time for no reason. You might not understand why you're going through that, that painful situation in your life, why no matter how much you pray, that situation on the job won't get any better. That situation in your finances and in your family won't turn around. You might not understand why your marriage or that relationship with your in-laws doesn't all of a sudden become perfect when you pray that it gets better. You see, that's the Holy Spirit cultivating the fruits of the Spirit in you. There's a reason why fertilizer doesn't smell like roses. I'm going to let y'all work on that. I don't have to go deeper into that. But that's the Holy Spirit cultivating the fruits of the Spirit in you. That is not God's punishment. That is his process. Again, that is not God's punishment. You are not being punished. You are being cultivated. You are being refined. You are being brought forth. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. This is how we can say that all things work for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. There's purpose up in here on today. There is potential up in here today. And it is the Spirit's job. It is our job to be filled with the Spirit so he can bring it all out. Hmm. Now, it's not for me to judge. But I can look at a tree and tell you if that's an apple tree or an orange tree. I'm not in judgment of the tree. I'm just looking at its fruit. You can say that you are an apple tree all day long, but unless you produce any apples, you're not an apple tree. You're just a tree. Someone can say that they are filled with the Spirit all day long, talking in tongues, running around the church all day long during service, but if they do not produce the fruits of the Spirit in their lives and in their character, well, I think you get the idea. That ain't an apple tree. Mm. There are some people out there to where it takes next to nothing to steal their joy or to steal their peace. They are experts at problem magnification. The tiniest inconvenience becomes a huge issue. They make mountains out of molehills. The slightest change in their environment changes their whole disposition. They can be in the greatest mood ever, but as soon as they get a slightly bad reporter, have a thought, a bad thought of something happening that could go wrong, their entire day changes into a bad day. 
Somebody may look at them funny or speak to them the wrong way or the, the tiniest thing can be out of place or somebody didn't close the cabinet door or somebody might have cut them off in traffic or, or walked by them without speaking or, or said the wrong thing to them and their whole mood changes. People around them are wondering what just happened. But to truly be filled with the Spirit means that you are not going to let anything steal your joy. You're not going to let anything, anything steal your peace. You're not going to let this world make you lose your temper, lose your cool, lose your calm. You don't have time for a bunch of pettiness and drama and mess. The aroma of the fruits of the Spirit will fill the space that you are in. You have peace beyond all understanding. You just wrecked your car. You seem to be, I'm praise the Lord, I'm all right. They seem to have hacked your account and cleaned you out. I'm, praise the Lord, I'm all right. The Lord have blessed me. It's, you're not going to let anything steal your peace. You have that peace that says, whatever be tied God will take care of you. My prayer is that I truly, fully be filled with his spirit. I want to see his power and his glory in my life. Give the Lord praise if you're with me on today. Hallelujah. Give him praise if you want to see his power and his glory. And if you want to see him live that resurrection power in your life. Hallelujah. But I'm not fully there yet. Sometimes I still get a little impatient. But I pray that God fills me with more of his spirit. Sometimes I get a little frustrated. Feel like telling the world and people where they can go and what they can do from here to across the street. But I still pray that God fills me with his spirit. Sometimes I worry about the future and what's going to happen, but I still pray that God fills me with his spirit a little more every day. There's some places that you can't, that, that I can't share with the spirit that either I'm going to rule or the spirit is going to rule. And even though I am praying every day that he takes over these spaces, you know, sometimes, you know, Pastor Charles is, you know, still up in there. So every day I am praying that he moves me out the way and that he fills me with his spirit all the more. You see, that's the main difference between having salvation and being filled with the Spirit. They are two different things, you know. Like the disciples before our Savior was crucified, even though they knew Jesus, laughed, cried, played, joked around, ate, walked, slept, even though they knew Jesus and was with him for three years, 
even though he was in their hearts, they did not receive the fullness of relationship with the Father. They did not begin to reach the fullness of their potential until after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to remember that the disciples failed miserably in most accounts while Jesus walked with them. They failed to understand what he was doing or talking about when they were together. They spent most of their time arguing about who was going to be the greatest within them in the kingdom and who was going to sit on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus' throne when he established his kingdom. They wanted to send the children away when the little ones wanted to see Jesus. Then there was that mistake at the Mount of Transfiguration. They even woke Jesus up when Jesus was sleeping in the storm thinking that Jesus, the Son of God, would actually be drowned in a storm. They failed to stay awake with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, thus making it easier for those who sought to arrest him to come upon them. I love when Dad says that in their storm at sea, they woke Jesus up when he slept in the boat. But in his storm in Gethsemane, they all fell asleep. They all failed to stand with him in his time of greatest need during his trial. Oh, these guys knew Jesus. This is after knowing Jesus for three years. Peter denied him three times when he needed a friend the most at his darkest moment. They were in hiding during his crucifixion. They failed to remember what he said about his trial, his execution, and his resurrection. They failed to comprehend completely who he really was and what he was there to do. And they knew him. But it was when they became filled with the Spirit that they became what they could be. It was on the day of Pentecost when they were filled with the Spirit that they received power. Look at somebody and say, power. Power. That same group of men that deserted Christ in his greatest hour of need because they were afraid, each later performed their own miracles for the furtherance of the gospel. Peter, who denied Christ three times because he was ashamed before he was filled with the Spirit, preached to more than 5,000 people on the day of Pentecost and led them to Christ. Fearlessly. He looked down at a crippled man, a man that he, Jesus, and the rest of the disciples probably passed by many times as they went to the temple in the past and said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have. You see, he was filled with the spirit so he could give out some spirit. He said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. It was written that Jesus, that Peter's shadow could pass by sick people in the street and they would get up healed. So you have Peter before the filling of the Spirit, 
denying Christ, running, cursing people out, cutting people's ears off. And then Peter, after the day of Pentecost, silver and gold have I none, preaching to 5,000, getting them saved, shadow passing over sick people. I'll let you figure out the equation. Mm. As believers who have received Christ in their hearts and have gotten saved, we are as the disciples were before they were filled with the Spirit. You're walking with Jesus. You're seeing and believing in him. You're saved. You have salvation. You're not going to hell. You are in relationship with Christ, but you have no power. Take a good, honest look at the situations in your life and see if you have power. When you're saved, you have relationship, but you have no power. But when you get filled with the Spirit, I said when you get filled with the Spirit, not only are you saved, but you get filled with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that moved on the face of the deep at the time of the creation of this universe that came upon all these people of God. Samson, David, Samuel, Elijah, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that created all of this is right here, right now, and wants to fill all of us. Power! He wants to fill all of us here with power. It is through the Holy Spirit that the power of the Lord comes alive in your life. Oh, he wants to give you the power to walk right. He wants to give you the power to talk right. He will bring things out of you that you did not even know were there. He will fill you with the power to be everything that God created you to be. To them gave he power to become sons and daughters of God. To them, he gave the power to do what he did and even greater things. I've got power that you can't see. God is living inside of me. I can fight any enemy because God and me make a majority. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on this morning. Stand up and give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Stand up and give the Lord praise if you want his spirit to live in you. Bishop said it long ago. I remember the day he said it. He said, you see, rejoicing enters you into the presence of the Holy Ghost. Your praise prepares you to receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord inhabits the praise of his people. If you want to be filled with his spirit, if you want to be filled with his power, then you need to give the Lord some praise on today. Come on, let's worship him on today, beloved. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. Where the spirit is, there is healing. Where the spirit is, situations are worked out. Dead circumstances come to life. There is provision. There is power. There is purpose. Oh, give the Lord some praise on today. 
was a harder thing to accomplish within the kingdom and if he saved you then he will fill you with his spirit he will fill you with power amen praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit Hallelujah. to move. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, let's praise God for the word of God that went forth on oh, today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to the name of the Lord. Come on, begin to praise him. Begin to give him glory in the house. Magnify the name of Jesus. Come on, open your mouth and bless him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, Zion. Open your mouth and bless him. Open your mouth and bless him. Come on, create the habitation for God to move in this place. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Fall fresh. Fall fresh. Fall fresh. Oh, bless your name, Jesus. Glory to God. 